Welcome to Too Smart for This, a podcast dedicated to knowing better and doing better for ourselves and others, hosted by me, Alexis Barber. In this show, we invite real people and experts to share their stories about how they navigate an ever-demanding society and talk about the personal decisions we make from career to health and wellness. Let's get into it. to Too Smart for This. I'm Alexis Barber, and today we have an incredible guest on the podcast, Helen Phelan, who is the founder of Helen Phelan Studio, which is an intuitive exercise studio, which has Pilates-based exercises that tries to remove the diet culture and sort of the, you know, body shaming from fitness. And she does this in her um, monthly like courses as well as her one-on-one courses. She has incredible, incredible course offerings. But we talk about her journey from being a dancer um, and dealing with eating disorders and orthorexia to her journey of being a small business owner and launching her own courses and platform in 2020. Um, if you are someone who struggled with disordered eating or tra- or um, eating disorders in the past, I just want to issue a trigger warning here because, of course, that is something we talk about in the beginning of the episode. Then we also get into um, what it means to sort of build the resources that you need to start your own business. And she gives us some great resources for email marketing as well as her favorite podcast. So definitely keep listening. She has a um, community event happening on April 25th. So definitely check that out in the show notes below if you are interested in starting or joining that. Um, It looks like it's going to be amazing and definitely continue to, you know, follow her, support her, all the things and share this if you are loving the episode. Have a wonderful day and let's get into it. Okay, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today to talk about intuitive exercise. So how are you? I'm doing well and I'm excited to be here. I love podcasts. I know, they're the best. Um, It's my favorite thing to record like with people, but also to like listen back to them because it's always so exciting to hear what everyone has to say. I saw some, I think it was the New York Times posted this on Instagram. It was like a humor account. It was like, when you're struggling to make conversation with people after the pandemic, just ask them about their idea for a podcast because no matter who it is, they'll, they'll have an idea. That's, like, that's so actually true. true. That's so true. Literally everyone has a podcast and everyone's listening. Um, but I still always feel like I run out of things to listen to. Like I'm always yeah, same. finding something. So Just it's starved for content. Exactly. We all are because we're at home 24-7. But um, before we jump into any more conversation, could you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your whole mantra is? Sure. So I'm Helen Phelan. I'm the creator of Helen Phelan Studio, um, which is a digital mindful movement Pilates-based exercise platform. And I've been teaching Pilates in in New York City for since 2013 uh, in some capacity. I was like, not going to do that math in my head on the spot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got into fitness by way of of dance. I was a professional dancer. I studied dance in college. I danced my whole life. And so I had, you know, this passion for movement and I really loved it, but I, I always call it like this double-edged sword where 
it has this potential to feel so empowering and be this cathartic release to help you process your emotions, to help you get to understand yourself better. And it can also really disconnect you from your body. It can encourage disordered behaviors. It can get into this really toxic diet culture-y place because of the way that wellness is just so tied up in in diet culture as it stands at the moment. Um, I like to think that it's changing because, you know, people like you are also talking about it. I do feel a shift, but, you know, the overwhelming mainstream, you know, mindset is definitely that through the lens of, of, of diet culture. And so I struggled with disordered eating my whole life as a dancer and, and getting into fitness. And I felt like I had this, I call it like a limbo. When I stopped dancing and I got into teaching full time where my eating disorder kind of evolved from, you know, that classic manifestation that you might think of, of like your cliche dancer to really orthorexia and really being so intense about working out this much to be good or clean eating, blah, blah, blah. And just feeling a, like I just like switched over those, those control-based behaviors, but I was also getting lots of positive feedback from my community in wellness. Everyone rewards that type of behavior, no matter how unhealthy, you know, even healthy behavior done to an extreme is, is unhealthy, you know? And so as I went back to therapy and started seeking treatment for my own disorder eating, I started to really pick up on the diet culture messaging and wellness for the first time because I, you know, I kind of thought like, oh, well, this is healthy. How could this be harmful? Which I think is what a lot of people I was are struggling with. Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming messaging that if you're not if you're not reading the right stuff, if you're not in like, you know, I've created this nice bubble for myself on my Instagram of all anti-diet RDs and, and, and movers. So now I'm like, how could I ever think that? But when you're in your own little bubble, the algorithm is serving you what it thinks you want to see. It's, it's hard to even comprehend other mindsets. So that's a long winded way of saying, as that started to become more apparent to me, I felt like, I had to do something to change the way that I was teaching. You know, I don't believe in teachers as gurus or, you know, all-knowing whatever, but it's still a, a place of authority. So if you're going to take a, a fitness class and a teacher is talking that way, it's it's going to be absorbed in some capacity. So I didn't want to par- participate in that. Yeah, and you see someone who's a teacher who has your, like, quote, dream body or society's, quote, dream body, and you're like, whatever they say, like, I'm 100% going to do it, but then you don't remember that, like, that teacher is probably doing this for a living, so maybe achieving what they look like is not possible for you, or, like, seeing them as a guru can be definitely detrimental because then you have, like, a concept of, like, what you should be or what you shouldn't be. Yeah, and... I, I think this whole concept of like professional bodies, like even outside of the fitness space, but when we think of celebrities and models, first of all, they don't really look like that. You know, like it's, it's editing and, and lighting and makeup, like makeup art, you know. Um, but it's also like that their job is to look like that. And they are – they have a live-in chef. They have a like a trainer that comes every day. Like there's all these things that – we just don't have access to. And do you really want to be devoting that many resources to, you know, accomplish this thing that only looks a certain way in a photo? So anyway, I I just started changing the way that I cue and I, I got really into body neutrality. And I I want to share fitness with people in a way that 
makes it feel makes them feel all the good things about fitness the empowering and the you know the sense of groundedness and the you know the energy boost the better sleep the better sex like all these benefits that we get from regularly moving including you know our improving our longevity and and feeling good in our body for longer as we age for you, what, why Pilates? Like you danced your whole life. Um, obviously there's plenty of different types of exercise. Like what drew you to your like method? And could you tell us more about what the method is? Yeah. So I always did classical Pilates growing up just as part of cross training. It's really common for in the dance world to do Pilates with, um, with, with your dance training. And a lot of that comes from like the mythology of long lean lines and like, oh, we don't want to bulk up all that stuff that factually inaccurate. Um, <laughs> but also because the movements are, are very similar. So it, it very much supports like ballet technique, dance technique, because you're working the intrinsic musculature, stabilizing muscles. So it is really good for improving your strength for dance focused movements it's good for improving all injuries, you know, even outside of the dance world, which is why um, I kind of got back into it. I, st- I studied it in college because I, I majored in dance and part of our major was um, two years of somatic theory. And then I ended up t- TAing those classes as well. And I did a, a semester of independent study. Um, very grateful that the director of the dance department at the time was, you know, a certified yoga and Pilates instructor. And she was really intent on us all graduating with with like a survivor job that wouldn't be hard on our bodies since like waitressing is you're on your feet all day and if you're dancing oh, as well it's it's tough. Sense. Yeah, so I felt at the time it was always just like yeah, this is my my day job. I'm not like into this at all. But then I got injured. Um I stress fractured my my left foot in three places, my metatarsals and Pilates was like the only thing I could do because you're laying down. (laughs) So it was really, really helpful for me getting back on my feet. And then I I did a mat certification in college. And then after my injury, I did a comprehensive equipment certification. So the reformer, the barrel, the Cadillac, the chair, all that. And I just really fell in love with teaching. And over the next few months and years, I felt myself you know, like watching the clock when I was in rehearsals for dance things or wishing that I could be picking up a, a shift at the studio. And it just felt like my, you know, intention was was going to another place. Absolutely. So then talk to me. Well, also you said the universe has other plans. I'd love to know like how you center yourself when it comes to creating your own content or like choosing your own adventure. But for you, um, what led you to decide to like launch this and how has it gone for you? What was something you wish you knew when you started recording classes and putting them online? Um, I think maybe just some of the more technical elements and, you know, I'm super lucky because my fiance is a, is an engineer, so oh, he's, he's very techy. <laughs> Love a good tech nerd. Yes. Um, but I, you know, I can use the computer and Instagram and like, those things. But I was, like I said, a dance major, figuring out how to edit videos, figuring out how to, you know, get the microphone talking to the Bluetooth and all the stuff is, was very overwhelming in the beginning and a lot of trial and error. Um, But I think, you know, this might be like super specific to other fitness instructors that, you know, just doing it even with just your phone and nothing else, like people, 
I guess what what I wish I had known is people are there for you, not the bells and whistles. So you don't have to get in your head about it being perfect because there are just so many million options, especially now after COVID, that you know people are going to be attracted to your class because of what your specific offering is, not really because you have the best like studio setup like, or the best. Right. Yeah. Even like, though I, I still get in my head about it, but it's it's a good thing to remember. For sure. And I love that advice. And I think it applies to pretty much anyone who's interested in content, in fitness, in really anything, because you like people are there for you. And we forget that a lot and stop ourselves up. Like, for example, for podcasting, I was like, I'm not going to start a podcast until I have 10,000 Instagram followers. I still don't have 10,000 Instagram followers, but I um, did like my best and it's doing a amazing. I'm at like over 30 episodes now. And that's something that like, if I would have just been like, oh, I can't do this until I have Mm -hmm. this equipment or this stuff, then I wouldn't have done it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's basically where I was in November of 2019. I filmed a bunch of classes and then I had total imposter syndrome. So in that regard, I'm, I'm grateful for the pandemic. You know, obviously it was shitty in so many other ways, but it really pushed me out of that comfort zone out of necessity because I had to pay my rent. Exactly. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you've obviously been when you were working between dance, between Pilates for a while, and then went out and sort of building your own brand. How did you think about building that brand like from the beginning? And for you, like, what's your current like ultimate goal with it? And like, how, how is it sort of materialized for you? Yeah, I think the the biggest differentiator or the biggest, you know, value or mission of the of Helen Feelin Studio is the the body neutral aspect or the anti-diet aspect because so much so much of fitness even though like, you know, body positivity and all the things that have been buzzwords and trendy, you'll still see these other fitness brands saying like, oh, it's all about loving your body and then post like 8 million transformation pics as evidence of their thing thing working. (laughs) I'm like, do you not feel that cognitive dissonance? It's (laughs) it's a little bit wild. Like please Um, end transformation pics 2021. Oh my God. Yeah. I've, I I could talk a whole podcast episode just about transformation pics. They drive me bananas. Um, So yeah, I think that there was definitely this white space of feeling like there's like these self-compassionate, like gentle workouts where it's like a lot of stretching and and breath work, which I love as well. Um, but coming from, you know, I was a professional athlete, I like to challenge myself. I like to work hard. I wanted I want to grow stronger. I want to build new skills. And I like that feeling of, you know, conquering a new thing. Um, and there didn't seem to be any like hard workouts that were also compassionate and, and, you know, non-judgmental of different body types and sizes. So I felt like, you know, that was the perfect opportunity to position Helen Feelin Studio as a place for you to work really hard and still be kind to yourself, still be kind to others and start to integrate like, oh, you know, actually, if I focus on how movement makes me feel, I'm going to associate movement with feeling good rather than focusing on my perceived flaws and associate exercise with feeling bad about, my, bad, bad about myself or not good enough or, you know, insert whatever diet culture thing there. 
Exactly. And that's beautiful, first of all. So I'm I'm with you on that. It's like I, even though I've had a history of disordered eating, I love getting stronger. And that's something that it's hard to balance what it feels like to focus on yourself and do something for yourself versus doing something for Instagram or transformation pics or to look better. So how do you specifically like bring that into your classes in a way that doesn't sort of um, and remind people that they don't have to do something for the looks? Right. So the most or the the first thing I focused on, like wait, right when I first began down this rabbit hole was was queuing. So so many times you'll take a fitness class and they'll be like, this is for, you know, I don't want to say anything triggering, but X body part that you're unhappy with and they'll draw attention to it. And you might be like in the middle of this nice endorphin rush and all of a sudden now you're thinking about that thing you don't like about your body. Um, So I I never cue that way. I cue anatomically. Be like, this is your triceps. We're strengthening the posterior chain because you need balance in the back body as well as the front. Um, I also like to draw attention to where we're feeling it. So A, the muscle, there's, there's evidence out there saying that when you're when you're visualizing the muscle that's working, it's actually working harder. So it's making the the effectiveness of the workout. You're getting stronger when you are there. Also adds this meditative quality, which I find, you know, just healing full stop. Meditation is good for you. Getting in your body, dropping in, grounding is, is really good stress relief. Um, so really highlighting what those sensations are so you can stay in your body and you know, the world is so disconnecting. Social media is so disconnecting. So even if you're just with me for 30 minutes, you know, every other day, whatever your your routine schedule ends up looking like, you know, you, you at least have that time where you're, you're there. And, mm. and also the, it's breath centric and that's all Pilates, you know, but I especially like to focus on cueing, exhaling on the exertion. So you're harnessing the power of that exhale where your core is is naturally engaging to find even more support, which makes the rest of your movements powerful and, again, has that meditative type quality to it. So that's kind of also answering your question about why Pilates. It was familiar to me. I've always loved it. But I also just, you know, the more I got into this anti-diet mindset, the more it just felt like this can be intense. It can also be restorative. It can also be therapeutic. It's just like the best of, of both worlds, of all worlds, in my opinion. Absolutely. It sounds absolutely wonderful. And I think that um, the idea, I hadn't ever heard that articulated before of like, instead of focusing on like, oh, build your abs, you're like, okay, let's build your balance here. Like, let's not focus on like exactly how you're going to look. Let's focus on how to really build your own muscles. So I really like that approach. And I think a lot of people seeing that like transition will be a light switch in their head, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, and this is something I talk to about my, with my clients one-on-one all the time is there's a lot of fear. People think that like, if they, if they release that, you know, I have to shrink my body, I have to change my body, then they'll have no motivation to work out. I'm like, there's so many things that you get from working out then like, yeah, your body may change. It may not like everybody responds differently to movement. You're going to respond differently than I do. But, and like your sister and your friend, whatever, same thing with food. We know that like scientifically, um, yet other people still market that because that's the sexy quick fix that is just, you know, an easier sell. 
Um, so I also, something I think that is different about Helen Phelan Studio is I structure the classes in themed monthly collections. So right now we're actually in the Better Balance collection. So funny that you should say that. Um, just as like another subliminal way to have you like enter your movement space thinking like, okay, my goal of this practice is to focus on improving my balance instead of, you know, do X about my body. And I also think it's important not to shame people for, you know, wanting to change their bodies, totally human in the world that we've all grown up in, but it can't hurt to add in alternative things that are maybe a little bit holistically beneficial for you. Of course. And wanting to change your body's supernatural. Everybody does at this point, <laughs> but it's when you are able to do that from a healthier mindset. And I think this like really helps people do that. So since we've touched on your studio and your approach to everything, um, I would love to talk more personally because I love to talk about people's journeys on this podcast to being um, sometimes influenced by societal you know, norms to getting to a place where you are confident in yourself. So um, we obviously are com- we are done with a year in a pandemic. So what is the most life-changing thing you've learned this year? Um, I think email marketing. <laughs> I mean, aside from like, you know, having getting the the nerve to put myself out there and let myself be seen on on the internet and and seeing like, you know, people people want this, people need this from a business standpoint, like pivoting to email, like I said, I'm over Instagram. I need it. You know, we have to, we have to use it. Um, but I find it to be so soul sucking and with, through email, I'm able to, you know, reach more people cause it's more people are seeing my emails and that's just been a, a good lesson of the year. I love that. See, it's important. I mean, emails is something that you own, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that's the Mm -hmm. thing. If you are interested in content or your own business, you got to start to master it. It's really important. So love that. So when in your life you went from having a few like disordered eating or not a few, but this history of disordered (laughs) eating to then, you know, working professionally and then starting your own business. At what point did you recognize you were really in control of your own life and your own destiny? Hmm. That's a good question. I think even before COVID, when I first left one of the studios that I was working for, because it wasn't a good fit and I started I, I felt like such support from my community and my fellow teachers and and clients being like, no, like we really still want to work with you. And I think it was for the first time, it was one of the first times that I was like, oh, well, like I'm, I'm good at this. People like what I do, even though it might be a little bit different than what other people are doing. And just coming from a dance background, it was kind of like always this mindset of like never good enough, always trying to do better and stepping into more of a role of, oh, like no, I, I have something specific to say that people, people need. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's been, I guess, maybe over the last two or three years, a, a build up to that. Let's talk about resources for starting your own business. Um, so what's one that helped you learn exponentially about, you know, just the technical side of it, the email marketing side of it, and then as well as like the time management part of it? Because obviously, if you are working in this industry, people don't work out from nine to five all the time. Sometimes they work out from, you know, like you just said, you 
did a class at 7.30 a.m. So um, for email marketing, for time management, what are some resources that have really helped you grow exponentially? Yeah, well, I live and, buy, live and die by my Google Calendar, as I said in, in email with you earlier. If it's not on my Google Calendar, it doesn't happen. I even schedule like lunch and like Instagram breaks and like all that. I need it. I need it all written out. But in terms of like, like I said, like learning about email marketing, learning like more intuitive business aspects. Um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the the brand Holisticism, um, but they do a lot of a lot of workshops on you know building your email list and you know running an online business. And I'll send you a link. Um, but I did a course with with Michelle, who the founder last year, called Profitable Profitable Content Creator Lab, and that was like really mind blowing. As was another one. I don't know if she's offering this right now, but called 10x your community. So just helping me focus instead of just throwing out like, oh, here's like a here's the work that I did today, theming and like making everything feel cohesive on not just my Instagram, but my blog and the Helen Phelan Studio where everything kind of is aligned. So when I launch a new collection on Helen Phelan Studio, Better Balance Collection, you're going to see blogs that are similar to that. You're going to see Instagram posts that are similar to that so that it's all breadcrumbing, you know, to the the paid product. Exactly. I just recently um, invested in a course and I'm wondering for you, how did you make that decision to invest in yourself? Because to me, it felt a little wrong, honestly, to like not just know it all by myself because it feels like everyone is like who gets big or is successful, they just like figure it out. And for oh, me, bullshit. Like, exactly. <laughs> so it felt wrong for a minute, but then I was like, wait, like I may as well do this because like it will help me and I know what I want. So um, what was that like decision making process for you to invest in a course? Um, to be honest, pretty easy. I'm I'm somewhat of a, a certification collector. And I think uh, the the root of that in the beginning was definitely that imposter syndrome feeling like I need more credibility. And there's like studies on this saying that like women have so many more certifications and degrees and all this stuff because we don't trust ourselves, whereas men just go out and just fucking do it and start a Mm -hmm. company in their dorm room or whatever. Um, So I think there's, you know, it's definitely important to be qualified and to to do the training, Um, but I'm trying to feel a little bit more confident just, you know, like I said, going on and doing it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? I love to see it. Okay. So this has been so helpful. So I love to end these episodes with an, a little bit of a rapid fire question. And then my final question, which is you're too smart for X. So I'd love to get your brain thinking about that. So are you down okay. to start these questions? Yeah, let's do it. Fabulous. Okay. So appetizers or dessert? Appetizers. I'm with you on that. Um, Instagram or TikTok? I mean, for personal lurking, TikTok. But I, I mean, I've I've been putting my Instagram reels on TikTok. I'm not quite TikTok famous yet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it's a lot. They're mean on TikTok. I'll be honest, but it's better content, I think. Um, yeah, it doesn't make you feel bad about yourself. I mean, maybe the comments do, but. The scrolling on TikTok is not nearly as like crushing as the scrolling, as the on, scrolling Instagram. on Instagram. I oh, totally <laughs> agree with you there. All right. Favorite TV show of all time? Um, I think probably either Arrested Development or Parks and Rec. 
I could put on any episode of either of those mm-hmm. shows and just in the background, you know? Yeah, the background is the best. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite podcast? Probably. So Holisticism, who I was telling you about the, the courses, Michelle's podcast called The Twelfth House. Um, Are you into astrology? I am like a little bit, like I know my chart, but I, I don't know, like I haven't memorized, you know, like what every, what every sign no, for sure, is. Me neither, but wait, what's your <laughs> sun, moon and rising? So I am a cancer, cancer, sun, Virgo, moon, Leo rising. Okay. See, this makes sense. I'd love to do it. <laughs> I'm a um, Sagittarius sun, Leo moon, Aries rising. So ah, interesting. Fire, and it's yeah. a lot. Uh, I get myself in trouble a lot, but um, <laughs> I will definitely check out that podcast because that sounds amazing. And like I said, yeah. I'm for content. So. Um, All right. What is your most important self-care practice? And I'll make this hard for you outside of exercise. I was going to say, duh, (laughs) Pilates. Um, In that case, probably rest. So this year, especially, it's been kind of like what we touched on, getting outside of the hustle of New York City. It's just being like, oh, I can can take a nap in the middle of day and I'm not going to get in trouble with anyone because I'm the boss and I'm allowed to rest if I need to. <laughs> yes, you are. And it's a, it's a radical act in this very, you know, hustle, hustling capitalist society. So I love that. All right. So finish. This is my final question. Finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know. You're too smart for. <sighs> You're too smart to let other people tell you what your body should look like or feel like. Like it should come from within. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, my whole thing started with you're too smart to be on a diet. And I think that fits in that super well because we don't – because the reason people are telling you to look like a certain way is because they want to sell something to you. And mm-hmm. it just gets into love yourself first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Ooh. So where can everyone find you and find your course offerings? What do you have for them? And um, – Instagram, all of that stuff. Yeah. So you can find Helen Phelan Studio on HelenFeelanStudio.com. And there you'll also find my blog, lots of free content there, as well as my Instagram at Helen V. Phelan. Uh, and then what else? Uh, there is a free trial for Helen Phelan Studio. So there's a 10-day free trial. You can check it out. There's, there's two offerings where you can do just on demand or get five new on demand classes a week, or you could do on demand and get access to the zoom classes as well, as well as a, a, a semi-private session monthly. Uh, so those are, you know, just depending on what type of person you are um, to figure out from there. And then I also, this year I'm, I'm focusing really on building the community aspect because I think, you know, I want to make this business a long-term thing, but something that people have been missing in this year of working out online is feeling like they're getting that, connected, you know, community feeling that you get going to your favorite local studio. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a bunch of free events on April 25th. I'm not sure if this will be out by then, but I'm doing my first body neutrality salon. Ooh. So these are really, yeah, I'm really excited about these. We used to do choreography salons in college. So I took that same idea and it's basically like a, it's almost like a podcast, honestly. I'm going to have a guest each each month and we'll talk about you know, body image and movement and wellness and diet culture and all of that. And then we'll open it up for discussion and Q&A. So it's like an interactive podcast. I would love to do a podcast. I just don't have the bandwidth right now. So this is my my hack. I love um, it. And, and then I think the next event after that is 
uh, an intuitive nutrition and exercise workshop with my friend Shauna, who you might know as the Nutrition Tea on, oh my God, on Instagram. I love her. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. That's going to be a nice like spring, spring reset. Make sure that you're not listening to any of the bullshit about yes. you know, summer and what that should or should not mean for your body. So lots of fun stuff like that. You'll find that on my website under free community events or in my Instagram link and bio. Everything's there. Um, yeah. So awesome. all the ways. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for coming on. I will be sure to link all of these down below. And thank you so much. I'm so excited to get this out there. Thank you so much for listening to the Too Smart for This podcast. Be sure to leave a review if you liked it. It takes two seconds. And follow the show on Instagram at Too Smart for This Pod. Check back every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes. And make sure to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Alexis Barber for more content about lifestyle, health, and career. And don't forget, you're too smart to not love yourself.